a medical journal suggests brain-dead women should serve as surrogates for those who are looking to rent a womb to grow their child. This is just one of many examples of the ethical problems with the commercial surrogacy industry, and it demonstrates how grossly unjust the process already is. We will be discussing this and other surrogacy-related stories today with Libby Emmons, editor-in-chief of Post Millennial and a former liberal feminist who woke up to the reality that leftism is a force for destruction. She's got a fascinating perspective that I know you are going to appreciate appreciate so much. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Good Ranchers, American Meat Delivered. Go to GoodRanchers.com. Use code Allie at checkout. That's GoodRanchers.com, code Allie. Libby, thanks so much for joining us. First, before we start, can you tell us who you are and what you do? I'm Libby Emmons. I'm the editor-in-chief at The Post Millennial. We are a breaking news and culture outlet, and I've been with the outlet for a couple of years. We have a great team, um, and it's really an exciting time to be working in media, given the amount of backlash against it and how much how much um, people are tuning in. So that's been really interesting. My background is in theater, however. My master's degree is in um, playwriting. I studied at Columbia University. Um, Before that, I studied theater and philosophy as well. So I have a long history of making theater in downtown New York City. I was in New York City for a very long time. I'm a mother to a wonderful 12-year-old boy. Um, And yeah, that's that's pretty much my whole story. (laughs) And let's see, you have not been a lifelong right-wing conservative activist. That's correct? Mm -hmm. That's correct. Yeah. What was really interesting to me, um, my whole life, I've been very in favor of free speech. I'm very pro our Bill of Rights. I'm also Catholic. I'm opposed to um, abortion pretty much across the board. I just don't think people should do it. And that's been true Um, you know, since my, since before my confirmation, when I was just a young woman, um, I'm also very anti-war. And one thing that's interesting is these positions, which used to be widely accepted on the left, uh, are no longer particularly leftist positions. So it was very interesting to watch You considered yourself on the left. You considered yourself a liberal feminist, correct? Even holding all of these views. Yes, that's correct. That's correct. Yeah. And that used to be okay. You used to be able to be a pro-life Democrat. At this point, I am no longer a Democrat. I changed my voters registration so that I am uh, actually registered uh, Republican at this point. Um, I voted for Trump in the last election. And I voted straight Republican in New York City. I wrote, voted for Lee Zeldin. Uh, I've watched the feminist movement entirely and thoroughly betray women, uh, destroy women's rights and destroy, you know, women's ability to uh, make their own choices in a lot of ways with regard to their thoughts and um, mm-hmm. how they want to live their lives. It's so upsetting to see what happened to that. But in a lot of ways, I think feminism is to blame for the current state of affairs where women are now, according to new research, meant to be called egg donors if they are mothers, which any mother will tell you to mother is a verb. This is not a one time thing. It is not a bodily function to mother yeah. um, is not what that that's not what that is. 
Yeah. Yeah. So at this point, my views uh, are squarely on the on the conservative side. Yeah. Uh, but I will say that I I stand on my values and my principles, and I'm not particularly beholden to the ethos right. of any political party. Right. But you considered yourself growing up, um, I guess, a liberal feminist, and I guess certainly in college, it wasn't until, as you said, a few years ago, when you said, wow, actually, I'm looking at my views and my values, and they don't align with the current feminist movement or the current Mm -hmm. left. You said you voted for Donald Trump. Was there an experience that occurred, or was it just kind of a slow realization that, wow, the left is getting further to the left, especially with the gender madness and what you're talking about, the Mm -hmm. erasure of women. And wow, I just don't align with that anymore. Like, what did that kind of moment look like when you realized I am no longer a Democrat and I'm voting Republican? Well, it was really sort of a slow burn. And I would say that it started closer to 2010 or maybe even a little prior Mm -hmm. to that. But by 2013, the plays that I was writing were satirical. Um, they were a, a thorough send up of the entire idea that men could become women. I was writing about, um, I had this totally crazy play that my friend and I performed where, uh, the, one of the characters in the play who was our boss decided to be trans and was looking for a uterus transplant and then a surrogate, wow. um, and all of these things. And so that you was in saw this stuff coming before most of us did. If you're talking like 2010, I mean, you must mm-hmm. have been really in tune where, where that movement was headed. Yeah, well, I was there sort of where it was beginning, which is in the arts. So a lot of this emerged from the extremely leftist arts movement. Um, And arts didn't used to be necessarily leftist. They were focused on aesthetics and beauty and honesty. Certainly, that was the kind of theater that I was interested in making. And that began to change. And the idea started to emerge while I was in grad school. I watched it morph from the artist being, you know, um, meant to be telling the honesty and truth of their own heart and their own vision and what they could see of the world. And it started becoming that art artists needed to be activists. And the mm. idea of art activism started to emerge. And I remember thinking and talking to colleagues and saying, isn't that actually just propaganda? That's what propaganda is, is mm. when you take right. an artistic form and you warp it to to do the work of a political movement. That's propaganda, not art. And I was very frustrated by that because I didn't get into making art to do the work of a political movement. Um, Politics was really completely outside of the realm of what I was interested in. I wanted to discuss beauty. I wanted to discuss, you know, relationships and human nature. I wanted to discuss myths and legend and tell the stories of who we are in our time. And suddenly we had to be activists and uh, there was no way I was going down that road. So I ended up um, I ended up being a little bit on the outs with my artistic colleagues, even prior to uh, yeah. my complete turn away from the entire leftist agenda. Yeah. And I specifically want to talk to you about your um, passion, not for, but against surrogacy and the surrogacy industry. As you know, this is not something that a lot of people talk about or even think about. And even on the right, as you know, most people don't really have, or I wouldn't even say most people, I would say most people in the comment, uh, the, the commentator realm don't seem to have a problem with it. 
And I have been, after I talked to Jennifer Lal, whom I I know you know, and my eyes were Mm -hmm. kind of opened, like, oh my gosh, I didn't even really think about the fact that this was happening. When I started talking about it, when I would post about celebrities um, going, you know, going through the surrogacy process and I would criticize it, I would get messages from Christian conservatives, people on the right saying, you know, I thought you were pro-life. You're attacking these people. This is so judgmental. Why do you care? People go through a lot. Surrogacy is fine. And what I realized is that all those people saying, saying those things, they were like I was previously in that I just didn't know. They just don't know. Mm-hmm. They are actually ignorant. And most people don't want to mm-hmm. be educated because it puts them in the awkward position of having to go against something that a lot of even so-called conservatives are for. So tell us about why Why do you care about this? And when did you start really researching this? Yeah, I care about women and I care about children and I care about children growing up with their parents. I think that that it matters. You know, we we are always um, saddened when a child has to grow up without their mother. We know that that's painful. Uh, Of course, we've all had friends who've lost their mothers or fathers at young ages. And we know the kind of damage that losing a mother can have on somebody for their whole life. It takes a very long time to get over that if you ever really do. I had a child in 2010, as I said, he's 12 years old, and I realized the incredible um, strain on a body going through pregnancy. It's it's really quite a thing. I mean, there's good sides, there's bad sides, there's what is happening to my body sides. I mean, all of those things combined. And I learned about surrogacy. I also talked to Jen Lal. Um, I had been researching about surrogacy prior to that because I had actually been commissioned to do a play at the Williamstown Theater Festival in, I want to say, 2007, 2008, something like that, where I was working with a director who specifically wanted to do a project about single motherhood by choice. She was getting older. She did not have a partner. She was wondering what her options were. And so we had gotten into it. Um, I ended up doing a lot of research into sperm donation. I discovered that People are meeting each other online due to ancestry apps and things like that, finding that they have all been the product of the same sperm donor. And I started digging into surrogacy as well as to what that looks like. There was also a radio lab report, which I which was some time ago at this point, it might have been 2008, I'm not entirely sure, uh, that talked about a gay couple from Israel who had purchased eggs from a woman in Estonia. Um, and then those eggs were mixed with sperm from from both men. Both men wanted to be fathers, if I'm remembering the details correctly. That uh, embryo was then implanted in an Indian woman in Nepal. Nepal does not allow Nepalese women at the time to go through surrogacy, commercial surrogacy. India did not allow surrogacy. So women from India who sought the income from being surrogates would go to Nepal and be Hmm. surrogates there. Uh, There was an earthquake in Nepal. The men went to get the baby. Um, No one could figure out whose baby it was or where the baby should go or what the nationality of the baby was. And I started wondering, who is this baby? Where are they from? What is their nation? Who are their parents? Uh, What is this about? Are they Indian? Are they Nepalese? Are they Estonian? Are they Israeli? Who are they? 
what kind of creature has just been manufactured to be motherless? And I got to thinking about the manufacture of motherless orphans and what that means for the future of humanity, what that means about how we value motherhood, how we value our children, how we value their futures and their understanding of who they are and where they come from. All of us, when we look at our mothers, we say, you know, I have her nose, I have her eyes, I think like her about this. These are similar habits that we have. We make the same gestures here. Or we think about where she came from and her ancestors. And we go back through our maternal line, just like we go back through our paternal line. And how is this child supposed to figure out who their mother is? Are they, where are they from? Uh, where do right. they set their ground? Where do they find a home? Everything has to be created for this child. And that's true of so many who are manufactured through commercial surrogacy. And I do make a distinction between um, voluntary surrogacy and commercial surrogacy. I think they are two vastly different things. As in, um, as in voluntary surrogacy versus commercial, you mean like... Um, personal, like a sister carrying a, a yeah, baby? Yeah, something for... more along those lines. Okay. Yeah, if you have a brother, for example, and their family cannot conceive, yeah. and you want to do this for your brother, that's something that I think is up to the people in that situation. But I don't think that we should be buying or selling babies. Yeah, I, I always draw the distinction too. I, I'm not honestly, I don't think that even that's Transaction is without ethical and moral questions. I will say that. Oh, I that. thoroughly agree. Right. Yeah, I but agree. But I totally agree that there are fewer moral and ethical questions there because of everything that you just mentioned. You're not completely detaching that person from their family history, from their biology, who they are. You are creating so many degrees of separation for that child from their origin, because not only do you have to go back to the woman who just saved you, you also have to go back to the woman whose, you know, whose eggs you, you actually came mm -hmm. from, whose body you actually came from. Now explain to people, I know the answer, a lot of people who have been listening to this podcast know the answer, but for those who say, okay, but how is that different? than adoption. Because adoption, you're also taking a child away from their biological parents. They may never find their biological parents, and therefore, you're also separating them from their family history. How is how is that any different? Well, I know that there have been a lot of ethical questions regarding the adoption industry. And for sure, there have been questions raised about, you know, international adoptions and whether or not the agencies facilitating those international adoptions are doing so ethically and with the families and children in mind. And that's definitely a concern. However, I feel that with adoption, it's substantially different and my family would not be the family that it is, um, you know, my extended family without adoption. And I'm very grateful for the women that gave up my family members so that they could be in my life. Um, and I know that it's been difficult for those family members to reconcile having been, you know, internationally adopted. Um, but I do think there's a difference in that these children already exist. They need loving right. homes and families. We are not creating them to fulfill our own desires and whims to be biological parents. We are instead accepting the gift of life that God has given us and that has, God has given these children and we are seeking to create a family from human beings that already exist with God's love. And I think that that's a huge 
difference. I feel that in a lot of ways, when we undertake surrogacy, what we are doing is we are saying, you know, our biological material is so incredibly important that we need to rent women and buy babies in order to further that line. And I don't think any of us um, can possibly come up with that as a, as a, a, as anything other than our own desire. That's mm-hmm. what that is. It's the fulfillment of adult desires to right. uh, obtain posterity and legacy. It has nothing to do with the children that are created mm-hmm. through that process. Yep. That's the distinction. You are adopting a life that has already been created, who needs a loving home, mm-hmm. whose mother is saying, I can't take care of this child versus purposely creating a child to take them away from their mother or father um, or both in some cases, depending on what the circumstances. Um, and it's interesting what you said about this is really about adult desires. We really are placing children in this case, children that are part of this commercial surrogacy industry on the altar of adults whims. Those adults are not willing to adopt. They say, and this is kind of message that I get a lot. While you know, you have biological children, so you have no idea what it's like to long for a biological child and to not be able to fulfill that for whatever physical reason, whether it's a gay couple or whether they're dealing with infertility or something, something like that. And um, it's true in the sense that I do have biological children, but that doesn't change what you just said. That doesn't change the fact that the child in this case is being created to go through a process that is not natural and may very well be harmful. And yet you see tweets like this. I'm sure you saw it from uh, Mark Lowen was his name. A lot of conservatives were commenting on this. I was commenting on this. He's the BBC Rome correspondent covering Southern Europe. That's what his uh, Twitter bio says. And then um, he tweeted with his partner, after six weeks in wonderful Canada and tearful farewells to our incredible surrogate and friend, it's time to go home to Lisbon with our new family member, our most beautiful hand luggage. Canada, you are a shining light of democracy and equality. Thank you for letting us fulfill our dream. And they post a picture with what I'm assuming is a beautiful little baby girl. I mean, there's so many parts to every single line of that tweet that to me points Mm -hmm. to the injustice of surrogacy. The first being, well, we keep puppies with their mothers longer than six weeks. But I mean, break this Mm -hmm. down for us. Like, how do you think this is an indication of part of the problem with commercial surrogacy? I think it's just a complete foray into narcissism. And I think that it's a shame. And I do wish the the family all the best. And I hope that they have a wonderful future. And I wish their child all the best as well. I do feel, however, for the difficulty that this child will have upon realizing that they have no mother and that they intentionally were created to have no mother. And I think that that is a crime. I think that's a, you know, not a punishable crime or anything like that. But I do think that it's um it's not in keeping with human nature to want to deprive a child of their mother. And further, this child will never know who their mother is to the extent that they know who gestated them. They may never know um, who who they're actually biologically re- related to at all. And I think that that's, uh, I think that's really a shame. It is hard once the child exists, you really just want the best for them and you want the best for the family, um, of course. But it is a shame that this is how they sought to undertake this. And I do feel that it is 
uh, in service to the fulfillment of desire, mm-hmm. as opposed to um, keeping the interests of the created child in mind. All right, let me tell you about our first sponsor for the day, and that is, of course, Good Rancher. So maybe you missed the Valentine's Day deal and you didn't get your loved one a box of Good Ranchers. I know we all make mistakes, but now is the time to write that mistake and go ahead. Go ahead and get your subscription to Good Ranchers. There are about a million different reasons why you should do that. Number one, the Stucky household completely relies on Good Ranchers for all of our meals. And if we're doing it, I mean, you know, it's got to be a good decision, right? It saves us money. It also saves me time. Every time I go to the grocery store, I don't have to pick out any meat. That honestly is a huge relief because meat is really expensive right now. And to pick out the right cuts of steak, my husband loves steak. I'm just not sure about quality and all that. I don't have to worry about that. With Good Ranchers, sustainably sourced, ethically raised, and it's all from America. Sometimes when you go to the grocery store, you see that little made in the USA sticker on your ground beef. It literally just means that they packaged it in like Michigan, but it's from South America or something like that. So all American made, American raised beef, chicken, seafood. That's what I love about it. Also, Christian conservative company. So it's a great deal all around. Makes your life easier. Makes your life healthier too. And you're supporting American farmers. Go to GoodRanchers.com. Use code Allie at checkout. You will save $30 off. $30 off. There's also 100% satisfaction guarantee. And you can count on your monthly delivery of meat to always deliver the quality a great gift needs. Go to GoodRanchers.com. Use promo code Allie for that $30 off. GoodRanchers.com. Code Allie. I mean, children need a mother and a father. And sometimes that makeup isn't possible. Sometimes the mother or the father dies. Sometimes there are extenuating circumstances where that's Mm -hmm. not possible. But as you mentioned, to purposely manufacture a situation in which a child does not have a mother or a father, these two men may be great dads. Maybe. They might be great dads to this child and love this child. I have no idea what kind of people they are. I'm not doubting that. But neither of them can be a mother. They can't be their mother. They can't even be a form of an adopted mother. They can't be a mother figure. And it's kind of Mm -hmm. wild to me how I see this on the conservative side a lot. Like the same people who reject this absurd idea that a man can become a woman uh, and a woman can become a man, they embrace the equally absurd idea that two men or two women can just as well raise a child as a man and a woman. Mm-hmm. That is the same math, like trans woman or trans women or women. It's equally absurd to say, well, a woman can be a dad or a woman can replace mm-hmm. a dad or a man can be a mom or replace a mom. Like it's just as destructive of a lie, but I think a lot of people are just scared to talk about it because I don't know, they don't want to be met with all these different kinds of accusations and labels. Yeah. I mean, since I spoke out about it, I've written about it for years. I've been opposed to surrogacy for years. That's not new, but I recently spoke out about it on a podcast um, on Timcast. And I was, I was met with excessive vitriol after that. And I was just like, well, that's really your problem, everyone, because I'm not going to change my views based on your whims. And I, I think it's interesting. There have there are a lot of Christians who will push back against this idea that surrogacy, commercial surrogacy, the commercial surrogacy industry, 
is an abomination against women and children. And Christians will push back against that. And it's very hard for me personally to reconcile my Christian faith with the idea that women should be rented and babies should be bought and sold. Mm -hmm. I just don't see how that's something that God and his infinite wisdom is looking for human beings to do. And you must have some sort of God complex when you undertake to manufacture children to satisfy your own desires for posterity and legacy. Uh, Not every line goes forward. Not every name goes on to survive Mm. for centuries and centuries. That's just how it is. And in terms of, you know, not having a mother as a child, I, um, my parents divorced when I was very young. I grew up with my father. I, my father is a great dad. I saw my mom on summer breaks and winter breaks, um, on school vacations. I adored spending time with my mother and I wished that she was in my life every day. Mm. And that, um, that pain and that difficulty that I had in trying to adjust to that has Mm -hmm. literally never gone away. I mean, it's just never gone away, you know, no matter how much time I've spent with her. And she and I have a great relationship now. We had a good relationship when I was a kid. I just longed for her all the Mm -hmm. time. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, to see that in children who have been adopted, you understand, you know, you can see that that's very difficult. And to understand what a mother means to you um, or what a mother means to me having had an absent mother. And I had a stepmother who was, you know, very determined to be a good mother to me. Um, And she, she she tried so hard, I have to say, and she's, you know, a beautiful person. Um, But there's really a difference. There's a difference. And I know that you know, children of surrogacy are going to feel that as they grow up, they're going to know that they have no mother. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that book, that classic book, Primal Wound, written a long time ago, I mean, it talks about the wound that happens in adoption. Like, I believe that adoption is beautiful and redemptive. That's not to say the adoption industry doesn't have its problems. I mean, we saw that horrible story out of Georgia, where Mm -hmm. those two men adopted this special needs child from a Christian adoption agency horrifically abuse them, all that stuff. So I think that there are plenty of problems, but adoption in itself is a beautifully redemptive process where you're taking that life already created, giving them a loving home. And I think that that is wonderful, but there's still a wound there. Like we still recognize that that is not the ideal. The ideal for the child would be to be with their biological mother and father in a stable home where they are loved and taken care of. Adoption is the next best thing. And so mm-hmm. like there is a wound there, even in wonderful situations where loving parents adopt the children, the children are still wondering very often, who am I? Like, where do I come mm-hmm. from? Where do I get this trait from? Who am I connected to when their parents are talking about who their ancestors are? Well, who are my, that's normal. I think mm-hmm. God created us that way. I think that's part of why he calls himself father and why he cares so much about orphans. Like he is our home and our refuge. And I think that's beautiful, but he also created the family for that sense of belonging. So, I mean, that's exacerbated many, many times when you're talking about surrogacy, when you realize that your mom was picked out of the catalog, has no connection Mm -hmm. to you whatsoever, does not care about you, does not feel anything for you. Doesn't even know you exist. Doesn't know that you exist, but you have her eyes, you have her laugh, you have her propensity to you know, uh, I don't know, to do math, whatever it is. And then the woman who carried you, 
is also mm-hmm. probably, maybe she's still thinking about you at some point. You do form that emotional bond. That's a whole other part of this. And you heard That's her heartbeat for nine yeah. months. You were, you knew her smell. You knew her voice for nine months of your life. You've been ripped from both of those. And you are constantly gaslit by people saying, no, be happy with what you have. Your parents went through so much to buy you. And you mm-hmm. shouldn't even be thinking about that. That's a really, really tough existence. I think that's really hard too. And with adoption too, you have the potential for open adoptions where the child right. can still yes. know who their parents are. Uh, and perhaps, you know, parents have children and they're not able to care for them. And open adoption, I think, um, gives at least an avenue to have an understanding of where your where you came from, you know, mm-hmm. where your ancestry came from, even as you have the opportunity to be raised in a loving home, um, you know, maybe you can get a little bit of both. And I think that that's very valuable too. Yeah. Um, okay. This kind of segues well, what we were talking about a couple of minutes ago, Des, when you were on TimCast, you mentioned that um, mm-hmm. you were going back and forth with Jeff Younger. And I'll just remind everyone mm-hmm. who that is. That is the Texas dad who went through that horrific, horrific story where the mother of their twin boys was saying that one of the twin boys was actually a girl trying to transition the little boy at a young age. We're talking like six, seven, eight years old to be a girl. He fought this. He said, no, this is a boy. This is my son. My wife is manipulating my son. The court sided with her. Apparently, they've moved to California so she can pursue this whole transition thing. I have so much sympathy for Jeff Younger, and I'm so sad about the whole situation. Um, But he made a comment on Twitter, and then I guess repeated Mm -hmm. it on TimCast when you were also on TimCast, basically saying, look, in order for men to preserve their progeny, they just need to use surrogates, not mess with the wily women out there who are going to basically take our sons and castrate them. Um, You know, I understand his pain, but... I don't agree with him. I just want to play everyone y'all's interaction on Tim Cast and uh, then get your commentary on it. You'll see that okay. I was swarmed by feminists when I suggested that men uh, may have to start using surrogacy and adoption if they want to have children. And I mean, a that's... lot of conservatives and religious people are really mad at me right now over well, that. Surrogacy and is feminists. an abomination, and it's it's uh, surrogacy should be entirely illegal. Commercial surrogacy. What, what about someone about else hosts the baby? Eggs. Yes. It's not someone else. No, it's when you rent a woman's body, yeah, you jack rent her a full of drugs, and then take her baby once it's born. But unfortunately, it's the only way for fathers to be secure in their posterity under the law. There's absolutely no reason. I think we should change the laws. There's absolutely no reason that women should be subjected to men's whims and have their bodies forced to uh, forced into that for money. There's, there's absolutely... Well, I mean, it's consensual if they're... It is getting money, ideally. I mean, I agree that no one should be forced into it. Sure, it's consensual to buy women. Yeah, you can buy women with money. You can definitely do that. You can can definitely do it. But that doesn't make it right. I just loved your response to that and just even your attitude in the face of all of that. Because I'm sure that all of the people there probably had maybe a slightly different view than you. Um, So just like add on to that a little bit, that consent piece I think is so important because that is what I hear a lot. Well, they consent to it. These women in commercial surrogacy, they're consenting to the egg donation. They're consenting to be surrogates. They're making a lot of money. They like it. They're happy, whatever. Why is that not a good argument? It's not a good argument for a variety of reasons. And if we look back in the history of America, we can see that uh, you're not allowed to sell yourself into slavery. You're just not allowed to do that. 
you're not allowed to uh, sell yourself into indentured servitude. We had that prior to the founding of the United States. That was extant in the 13 colonies. You're not allowed to do that now. It's just not possible. But for some reason, people think that it's perfectly fine for women to consent to sell themselves into being gestating wombs for the whims of, you know, whoever wants to buy those babies. Um, and so, yeah, we have historical and legal precedent that you're not allowed to sell yourself into slavery or indentured servitude. <coughs> Excuse me. And that's sort of something that I think is very akin to commercial surrogacy. Um, also, I think that uh, when we look at the industry itself, no one wants to consider the toll that it takes on women's bodies. And there's a couple of things that it's important to consider and realize, which is uh, that women, when they undertake surrogacy, they have to go through intensive IVF. IVF, as we know, you get pumped full of hormones, you get implanted with a bunch of embryos. But women who undertake surrogacy with the egg of another woman also have to take drugs that prevent organ rejection because it's the same process. Mm -hmm. A woman's body, a human body doesn't want somebody else's liver and a woman's body, a woman's uterus doesn't want somebody else's egg. So you have to take these kinds mm -hmm. of drugs as well. Additionally, in the surrogacy industry, uh, the only women who are eligible to become surrogates already have gone through pregnancy. They, that means you already have a child. So now you are a woman who is selling her body and your children get to watch you sell your body. Further, if you are married, which a lot of American surrogates, this is a big industry in the United States, it's not just in Canada, um, and many European countries, it's illegal. France, it's illegal. Um, American women uh, are married. A lot of surrogates are married. So you're married. You have a husband in your home. You have children. They are watching you undertake this sale of your body and then the sale of what would be another child or a brother or sister. And I think that that would be incredibly detrimental mm -hmm. to the family. Could you imagine being as emasculated as that if you're a man and you're home and you have a family and you're meant to take care of your wife and your children and do all of that. And then you watch your wife sell her body to another uh, for another man's whim. I mean, could you imagine yeah. that just sounds absolutely horrifying and yeah. detrimental to the family and to that man? So Jeff Younger thinks that for his own posterity and his want to be a biological father, that means that he gets to completely emasculate another man, completely interfere in the life cycle of another family, and that it's his right to buy and sell women and buy and sell babies. I just don't think that that's true. And I don't think it's Christian to believe that that's okay. Okay, I got a story for y'all about my next sponsor. Naturally, it's clean. So we temporarily ran out of our Naturally It's Clean laundry detergent. And so I had to run out and go to the grocery store and get this other supposedly natural laundry detergent that said it was fragrance-free and, you know, it's plant-based and all of that. As soon as I did it, our skin started uh, breaking out. Like we started getting like these little 
rashes and we were itchy. And I realized it's because I had switched detergents. That does not happen when I use Naturally It's Clean. Naturally It's Clean is so effective on our clothes, but it's also super gentle. We have never, we kind of have sensitive skin in our family. We've never dealt with any problems with our Naturally It's Clean detergent. And I would not use it if it didn't work. I mean, I've got toddlers like a lot of you out there. And so like we don't have time for laundry detergents that don't work well, but you also want it to uh, be you know, be good for them and be gentle on their sensitive skin. That's why I recommend Naturally It's Clean. I love their laundry detergent. I also love their heavy duty cleaner that I sometimes put on my countertops if I really need to clean it. I also love their just multi-surface cleaner, their carpet cleaner, their stain remover. It's all really good stuff. Their electronics and stainless steel, all of that. It, I, I just love it because there's no fragrance and it really does work. And I can just rest assured knowing that all of these things are clean because they use these plant enzymes. I mean, we're talking about like hospital grade cleaners, but that are a lot safer for you, your family, your pets, because it doesn't have all of those uh, toxic materials and fragrances in them. So if you go to naturally it's clean, naturally it's clean.com slash Allie, you'll save 15%. You can see some of my favorite products there. You'll save 15% off naturally it's clean.com slash Allie. By the way, Bob Vila says the naturally it's clean has the most eco-friendly carpet stain remover on the market today. So that's pretty cool. And I agree with that. Naturally it's clean.com slash Allie, 15% off naturally it's clean.com slash Allie. And I also think that like you compared it to indentured servitude or slavery, I think some people would say, well, they're, it's not the same because they're getting paid $40,000 or whatever. I would also compare it to prostitution. Sure, mm -hmm. you are consenting. Sure, prostitutes say that they are consenting to sex. But how did they get to that situation? Why exactly. are they there? How desperate mm -hmm. are they for money that they are willing to sell their bodies and to endure all of the terrible consequences that come with prostituting yourself? And really, is it truly consent when you are at the point of desperation that you are willing to do absolutely anything just to get by? Many of these women, especially the women in places like Ukraine and Nepal mm -hmm. and places like that, Technically, they are consenting because they are signing on the dotted line. They are doing it out of powerlessness and helplessness and desperation. So is yes. that really consent? And another thing is, is that I just reject entirely, though, this construct of consent based morality, not to say that consent right. in general is not important, but it is not the only thing that determines if something is moral or not. There are some things that people will consent to that I will still say that's wrong and I don't think it should be legal. Think about it. Like, just let your mind go. Think about all of the sick stuff that people could consent to that we still say, sorry, that's not legal or that's immoral mm -hmm. or whatever. Just because someone consents to something doesn't mean it's right. And even if you do obsess over this consent-based morality model, which as we're about to talk about is really, really flimsy, the child doesn't consent. The child isn't consenting right. to this all. whole process into being bought and sold. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more, 100%. And I think that it's crazy also with prostitution, which I also compare it to, you know, I've said that surrogacy is like prostitution, except you're getting screwed for nine months. I think <laughs> that it's also true that it's hard to say if a woman is consenting to prostitution, is she really consenting to having sex with 20 men per day for money? 
Yeah. Is there any amount of money that would make you willingly do that day after day? I can't imagine a sum that would uh, that I would be comfortable if I had a daughter or my sisters mm. or myself to go through with something like that. A hundred million dollars, not not really even close um, to you know what I think the lives of our daughters and sisters and mothers are worth. Yeah. Absolutely. And people also don't realize like, okay, we're not even just talking about the baby that gets to be born, their consent and their well-being. Like you just said, the woman has to go through very intense IVF. A lot of times that means that not everything that's implanted makes it. So you're talking about multiple mm -hmm. miscarriages in some cases, in a lot of right. cases, yeah. cases that I know about. These, mm -hmm. um, the couple that's buying the baby from first the egg donor, then, you know, using the surrogate's body, they want to pick out certain embryos. They want yes. a boy or they want a girl. Mm -hmm. They want to make sure that they don't have any genetic anomalies. And so they create all of these children, put them in, you know, the Petri dish. And then the doctors, the scientists say, okay, these are good embryos. We'll implant these. We'll see how many make it. There are so many lives lost. I guarantee there is not probably mm -hmm. a single commercial surrogacy situation in which there was like one embryo created, one embryo implanted, and one baby born. I guarantee you at every single commercial surrogacy situation, you are looking at basically abortions, like in some cases, because yes. you're going into it knowing that you are going to kill those children or placing children in a situation you know is dangerous. On top of all of that, the pregnancy itself is very dangerous for the mother and child and surrogacy for the reasons you've already mentioned. Yeah. And there's there was a case actually of a woman who underwent surrogacy, uh, didn't know who the, the client was. Turned out the client was a man who lived in his parents' basement and had no family other than that and who was undertaking parenthood on his own. Um, and when he found out that all of the embryos that she had, um, you know, been implanted with survived, he asked her to abort some. Yep. He asked her to abort some after yep. he was already buying these babies and paying to rent her body. It's just absolutely shocking. There was another case where it turned out that the person who was the man, again, a single man who was buying children from a surrogate was actually intending to use them, um, you know, for really nefarious purposes. Um, and that yeah. was, I think, in Australia, if yeah. I was following I that case. That. And yeah, I mean, really difficult things. And what kind of single man wants to raise children all by himself without mm -hmm. a mother ever being mm -hmm. in the picture? It's one thing to have a divorce, you know, and then you're raising the child. But, you know, this is absolutely... Um, this is not something that I understand why a man would want to do that, would want to uh, take a mother out of the picture entirely. Yeah, I know. Every single red flag that I have goes up when I hear that a single man wants to go through the surrogacy process for a child. I mean, I think commercial surrogacy should be illegal in general, as it is in many countries, by I, the way. Yeah, a lot of people don't a lot of western european countries right and that's why europeans come to north america to buy their children here right but i i especially believe i especially believe that single men should not be able to buy these children i mean literally every red flag all right i want to talk about this story that originally kind of kicked this off why i even 
wanted you on. It took us a while to get to it. But this kind of goes back to what we were talking about, about how flimsy this whole consent-based morality model is because it just so quickly leads to, well, what is really consent? Like, does it really, does consent really matter in all circumstances? I mean, we see obviously all of that with the gender madness, but we also see it when it comes to surrogacy. And this is a line from Redux or a headline, medical journal floats concept of using brain dead women as surrogates through whole body gestational Donation, an entry from the Journal of Theoretical Medicine and Bioethics, is prompting outrage from women on social media after theorizing that the bodies of vegetative or brain-dead female patients could be utilized as whole-body gestational surrogates. The article, originally published in November 22, is titled Whole Body Gestational Donation. It proposes that it may be, a vi- may be viable to utilize the donated bodies of women for gestational purposes in the same manner that donated organs are used. So, I mean, just react to this. Tell me tell me your thoughts about how terrible this is. It's so terrible. And I think generations of science fiction writers that we have their work tell us exactly how terrible this is. We can read Brave New World and we can see that creating pods uh, made out of made out of women's organs in right. order to create a new group of human beings is not an acceptable way to go. And it actually Uh, Not only is it immoral to that woman, but I think that what it spells is a very deadly and unpleasant direction for humanity. When we create children that have no past, who do these children belong to? Uh, When we create children that um, have no way to figure out who they are or where they're from, uh, what kind of futures can we expect them to have? And what kind of quality of life can we expect them to have? And how are they supposed to treat other human beings? How are we supposed to have any value of each other if we don't have any you know, provenance of ourselves? Oh, my mother is that brain dead woman in the hospital there. Um, that's just yeah. not acceptable. Not only is there no consent for the brain dead woman, I mean, who's supposed to consent for her? Is her family just supposed to sell her off as though she yeah. were, you know, like, Right. I don't want to use. Was she mean supposed to give here, consent before what, she became brain dead? Oh, I think that? I'll be brain Is dead. Is this next our month. organ donation thing? Yeah. yeah. Like you put, put on your driver's license. Put on their or- yeah. yeah. I think that that's unacceptable, and I think that it's cruel. I think it's cruel not only to the individuals involved, but it's cruel to humanity. And I think it betrays our human nature. Instead of turning to our better angels, instead of seeing ourselves as children of God, we are see ourselves through this method, we would be seeing ourselves as lumps of flesh, as commodities. And the human mm-hmm. being in a Christian sense is not a commodity. We are not here to be bought and sold. We are here to be children of God. We are here to seek grace. We are here to give kindness um, you know, that's, that's what we're here for. We're not yeah. here for, uh, just to further ourselves. This Darwinian approach is, um, not in keeping with our best selves at all. All right. Last sponsor for the day. And that is Patriot Mobile. Patriot Mobile is America's only Christian conservative wireless provider. It offers the same nationwide coverage on the best 4G and 5G networks. But the difference is you don't have to worry about sending your money to another company that hates you and is fighting against your values. They're actually fighting for your values every day, which I am very thankful for. They now offer service with all three major networks. This means if you're with one of the big three, you like the service, you hate their values, you can access their 
you can access their service without actually, you know, paying them for fighting against the things that you believe in by switching to Patriot Mobile. Patriot Mobile also offers a performance guarantee. So if you're not happy with your coverage, you can switch between the three major carriers for free. That's how confident they are that you are going to love them. They also have a 100% US-based customer service team that makes switching really easy. You can go to patriotmobile.com slash You'll get free activation today if you use offer code Ally, patriotmobile.com slash Ally, or you can just call them at 878-PATRIOT, patriotmobile.com slash Ally, or call 878-PATRIOT. And if anyone thinks that consent in any way would be involved in this, even when it comes to the family, like you haven't been paying attention. Consent is manipulated. It is manufactured. It is redefined so that the people who want to do something and are willing to pay money to do it can do it. And by the way, I just think about how you're going to have to impregnate this woman with someone else's embryo and fill her with, I mean, you're basically going to have to rape her in order to Mm -hmm. do that. So like, let's consider all of that. And then you consider like you've been pregnant. I've been pregnant. All the things that the doctor tells you to do when you're pregnant. Well, you need to get exercise. You need to make sure you're talking to the baby, playing music to the baby, reading books to the baby. You need to make sure that you're eating all of these things, that you're moving around, that you're not laying on your back. You know, like all these things that a brain dead woman can't do. So not only are you not thinking about her at all from the so-called bodily autonomy crowd, but you are also not considering once again, the well-being of the baby. I mean, it's right. just- You're not at all. It's just wild. We're dealing with our depopulation crisis that we're having. It's not overpopulation. It's depopulation crisis, not by saying, Mm -hmm. hey, let's value marriage. Let's try to value love and togetherness and true healthy intimacy and childbearing. But let us instead manufacture new. And as you said, very Huxleyan ways, like brave, Mm -hmm. straight out of brave new world. Let's try to create those new, very scary ways to create children i mean it really is just yeah horrors beyond our imagination when we start to play god yeah and when we go from what's natural to what's possible (laughs) via technology without ever pumping the brakes and asking any questions Mm -hmm. and there's also certainly been cases of women um obtaining the sperm of their deceased husbands Mm -hmm. and trying to use that to get pregnant And I don't think that that's particularly better just because there's less strain, uh, if you will, on the male body in that case. I don't like that either. Yeah. No, I just don't think that's how it's supposed to be. Again, when we go from what's natural to what's possible via technology, that's not always Mm -hmm. a bad transition. But we do have a responsibility, especially as Christians who understand human nature and that we're all made in the image of God. Is this okay? Is this an okay process? And we have to, yeah. And we have to understand what it is that we want humanity to be. What are human beings? What is our purpose? Um, What do we want our societies to look like? What do we want our culture to look like? And what kind of value do we place on each other? What kind of value do we place on life? And I think in a lot of ways of late, uh, Western culture has become something of a death cult. We embrace abortion by saying, you know, that this is, better for women to kill their babies. Um, I I just don't see how that's possible. We embrace euthanasia, uh, murdering young people because they say that, you know, life isn't worth living for whatever variety of reasons instead of trying to talk them out of it. And we embrace the dissolution of the family. We embrace the dissolution of 
mothers. We embrace the dissolution of biological sex, which is actually a remarkably beautiful thing. Uh, we don't look at ourselves as, um, you know, creatures who are here at, at God's grace or searching for God's grace. We don't consider the meaning of life anymore. We consider the the meaning of our own desires. We consider mm -hmm. how to fulfill our whims at any given moment, you know, eat, eat all the cake, yeah. have all the sex, uh, manufacture all the children, you know, whatever stage of life you're in, there's a way to justify the uh, fulfillment of your own personal desires, um, you know, using technology, using whatever you want. And I just don't think that it spells a good future for humanity. Yeah. It spells a future for humanity where death is at the center of our culture. And that's really not life should be there. Yeah. Yep. Man, there's so many other things that I want to talk to you about. It's really all the consequence of exchanging the God of scripture for the God of self. I mean, that has what mm -hmm. seems like petty consequences, pursuing whatever makes you happy in the moment, even if it hurts other people, relationships and things like that. But it has big consequences. What we just talked about when we try to replace God, we see the horrors that can happen. We didn't have time to get into it. But as you mentioned, Canada is pushing euthanasia. And it's not just for not that it's okay in this case either, but it's not just for the elderly who have who are dying of cancer. But as you mentioned, it's also young people who have a really good chance of surviving a sickness. And yet they are being told, well, you should probably just kill yourself and then we've got a Yale professor, the New York Times reported, who suggested that mass suicide for old people in Japan could possibly be a good thing because there's so many old people, so few young people. I kind of don't understand how that solves the problem of needing more babies. But what we're seeing across the board, as I'm sure you would agree, is just the denigration of life because, again, we've replaced God with the self. And so we no longer believe that human beings are made yes. in God's image. We no longer believe that human beings have souls and innate value, which is what, by the way, Western civilization was built on and why we have come which to- Which is what yeah, makes democracy possible. Yeah, that's what makes democracy possible. And when you say that we've replaced God with the self, we have so thoroughly done that and we've replaced the soul with gender. And that's where we stand now. Uh, and it's really, it, it's really mm. a denigration of humanity and human beings. We don't yes. seek to, to live out our lives in God's image at this point. We seek to live them out according to our own whimsy and desire. It's just absurd. It's absurd on the face of it. And if you read Western literature and the history of our culture, you see that this can only lead to bad things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This really isn't new. It goes all the way back to the garden where the first temptation that Satan gave Eve was, don't you want to be like God? You can be powerful. Mm -hmm. You can have all knowledge. Uh, he just doesn't want you to be like him. Bite the apple. Eve bit it. Here we are and still reaping the consequences of that sin. Um, thank you so much. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on. And thank you for your strength on these issues. I so appreciate it. Can you tell people where they can find and follow you? Yeah. Uh, thanks for having me on. It's been a real joy. My name is Libby Emmons. I'm at Libby Emmons on Twitter. And you can check out what we're doing at thepostmillennial.com every day. Thank you so much. Yeah, definitely check out The Post Millennial. I love going to y'all for news. Y'all are always covering things that other people aren't. So thanks for that. Thanks Thank so you much. so much.